Well, we are mobile today here at, do you call it Foss Farms? That's what we call it, yeah. Our guest today is Clayton Foss, and you want to introduce your bride to us? This is my wife, Glenda. Clayton and Glenda. I asked Glenda, or I asked Clayton if he would be willing to be on the uh, share his testimony of Jesus, and he said, well, I think it would be better if my wife is with me because she's such a part of it, and I thought that was beautiful. So thank you both for uh, being willing to do this today. Um, Clayton, I... What I know of you, or what I first knew of you, I think I met because you raise cattle and feed a bunch of people. Tell me about that. Have you all? You live on a farm out here in Holden, Missouri. We do, uh, and this is where I've always been on a farm. Not necessarily this farm, but it's part of what we've always done is raise cattle, and it seems like. Uh, Today, with the awareness of buying food locally, there's a lot of people that like to know how their beef is raised, and so we have kind of made this a little bigger portion of our business uh, as opposed to just raising calves and taking them to the livestock to sell. So, yeah, it's it's been a blessing. Hopefully, it's been a blessing to others as well as us. <laughs> well, it's been a blessing to our family. We recently purchased another deep freeze to hold Hold the meat, but it's so convenient to know where it comes from and just to run downstairs and grab a brisket or whatever you want to smoke, and there it is. Um, how many, at any given season, how many cattle do you raise? Well, we raise probably about a dozen a year that we sell to people, that we feed out and sell to people. Uh, but we have, we have cows that calve both in the spring and in the fall, uh, so, and between Sarah and I, which is our daughter, who is uh, very much a part of this business now as she does a lot of the work uh, since my injury. And between Sarah and I, we calve out about 35 or 40 cows each spring and fall. Wow. So. Let me ask you, so you live, uh, I, I put it into my maps. I live right in the middle of Independence. It was about an hour and five minutes to drive out here. And I think the last uh, 10, 15 minutes was all gravel roads. What is it like to live in the country? Because as soon as I get out of the city, a matter of fact, today I had on, uh, uh, I put on some nature sounds on the radio through my phone and it was just <laughs> the birds chirping and I was driving out here. I just feel this relief of stress and weight just come off of me. Do you feel closer to God and creation living out in the country? Uh, what, what is that like? Or working with animals? I think it's one of the big blessings of the kind of life that the Lord's allowed us to have, uh, being in the country and raising animals and and hay and crops. And, and I guess I probably don't appreciate it as much as I should because I've always lived in the country. Um I had about a year when I was just to the point where I was out on my own that I actually lived in a small town. But other than that, I've never lived anywhere that wasn't on gravel roads. So, um, you know, when you've had something all your life, you probably don't appreciate it as much as maybe other people do. The serenity when you leave the city <laughs> and the noise and the lights and and all of that, and but we really do. We really love it. We we feel like the Lord's blessed us with a tremendous opportunity to be on a farm and in the country, and and uh, we enjoy working with the animals. It's it's a big part. It's mostly what we do now, as far as the 
the farming. We don't row crop, so it's mm. it's working with animals and hay. And we just we love the animals. It's a there's some really neat opportunities that you see with the animals. The you get to see the little ones born, and um, of course that's a tremendous blessing. Just the way that the whole life <laughs> cycle is, you know, and and of course there's some sorrows that go with it too uh, when you lose some. So. Mm. But yes, we we feel very blessed to be where we are, and uh, even though we see the gravel road as a plus, others see it as a minus. <laughs> well, I see it as a plus, and I and I haven't been disappointed so far. I I, I came out and I, there were no houses around, and I knocked on the door and came in, and and it was a table here with family and everything smelled like bacon and uh <laughs> and there's a big farm breakfast I, I believe probably took place before i got here and so you, you've met all my expectations so far <laughs> oh great uh so i want to ask you i know of you and i know you a little bit and you've come to preach at our congregation and we sat in some pastorate meetings at one time but i don't know a lot about your background and i want and that's great because we're going to bring that out today tell me First of all, tell me, Clayton, how did you come to know the Lord? Was Were you raised in a family, a Christian family? And what, what's that like? I was definitely raised in a Christian family. My mother has been a member all her life of the RLDS church and, of course, later part of the Restoration. So, yes, I was taught uh, from the time I can remember uh, with at my mother's knee, I guess you might say, with the stories and testimonies of the saints and the, uh, her sharing the scriptures and not only from the Bible, but from the Book of Mormon as well. And, and so that's been a tremendous blessing in my life. So I've really never known uh, anything else but to be in a Christian family. And even though we were about 50 miles from church, we were fairly regular church attendees, of course, with farm work. This was in eastern Montana. That's where I okay. was raised and lived most what, of my life. What town or what cities? We were close to Sydney, Montana. Okay. And the little town of Culbertson is where the church branch was that we went to. Interesting. We've been looking at Montana on a map because we want to go up there this summer for probably our last family vacation before my son sprouts wings and <laughs> leaves the nest. So uh, It's a big state, long big, ways across. It's, it's a beautiful, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is beautiful. And we lived on the end of the state that's not what people think of when they see the postcard. Uh-huh. It's, the, <laughs> it's the scene in the mountains, and we were uh, probably 350 miles from the nearest mountain. But uh, it's beautiful in its own way. It's mm-hmm. uh, very... It's windy in eastern Montana, but it's uh, it's beautiful country. Okay. What, uh, let me ask, uh, Glenda, you can move the mic. We're, yeah, I know you two are sharing mics and I'm sure you don't mind being right close to each other, no. but <laughs> Glenda, where, uh, what's your history? Were you born, raised as a Christian? Uh, what's your background? Uh, I was born in Des Moines, Iowa, and both my parents were members of the RLDS church. My mom, um, third generation RLDS and my dad was second generation. And so it was, and I was city all the way. <laughs> uh, city girl. The more, okay. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I guess I've just known, I mean, I, I just knew of a surety that this was the true church. This is right. My mom read us 
um, stories, especially church history stories when we were little. And I remember crying when they read about the Hans Mill massacre. And, but I just knew, I just knew that this was the true church and this is where I was supposed to be. And, and it's always been as, I mean, I don't know anything else. (laughs) You both had the background. So where, how did your paths cross and how did you two meet? Well, um, his, oldest sister that's younger than him was my roommate, Graceland. Okay. And so the very first time I saw him was when he brought his sister to college. And then the next time we saw each other was when she got married. We were the only two single people in her wedding. (laughs) (laughs) And so we really hit it off and we wrote letters back and forth and I went to see him. And then, I don't know, a year or so later, we, I was still in college and I wanted to I wanted to have a career and I just wasn't ready. And so we ended, I ended it, I guess. And then we were both praying about who we should marry. And five years later, and we hadn't had any contact. Five years later, our Christmas cards crossed in the mail. He came to see me in April. We were engaged in May and and married in September. (laughs) But it was the perfect timing. Yeah. And before it wasn't, I wasn't ready. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have made a good wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so then I left my family and everything I knew, city life, moved to Montana, <laughs> out in no man's land, <laughs> that's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> and it was um, it was quite a change for me, but I really, really enjoyed it. And I don't think I could do it if I had to live back in the city again, but I don't think I'd ever wish to. Gotcha. Okay. So, so after not talking for, for years, you both sent a Christmas card to each other at about the same time. Yep. And they crossed in the mail. <laughs> that is funny. That's, that's wonderful. So, uh, a lot of people that do have a history in the church and are raised, um, as they get older, sometimes they fall away, uh, maybe because they rely on the testimonies of others or their family, or they take it for granted or for whatever reason. Tell me, about your testimony of Jesus, Clayton. Tell me about when did the gospel uh, become something that go from just something your family had always um, learned and known to internalizing and coming into relationship? Yeah, it it really, um, I guess that I followed a similar path to a lot of the young people as I reached adulthood. I kind of drew away from the things that I'd been taught, Um never denying the truth of the gospel or or ever thinking it wasn't uh, real, but you get drawn away into the things of the world. And, and that happened to me just like it does to a lot of other young people. And what happened in my life that really made it real again uh, in my younger adulthood was when the church broke apart in the 80s. And all of a sudden, those distinctives and some of those things that <clears throat> I really loved and cared about and knew to be true were being taken away. And, and all of a sudden, I was put in the position of having to defend uh, what I believed in, and it changed everything in my life. Uh, it it made me realize that that I needed to draw close to the Lord once again and to, you know, it it became a situation with me where I felt like I had 
kind of abandoned the Lord, kind of let him down, and, and I felt like it was time for me to step up and begin to do my part in ministering to others. And, and of course, it was the church was breaking apart at the time. Glenda and I were married in 87, and so um, we... We did attend the little branch there in Culbertson a few times, but but we we felt there was a lot of things going on that we didn't accept, and we so we felt like we should draw apart, and we began to worship in our home. Uh, we were in the situation where <clears throat> we were the only family in the branch that really felt strongly about what was going on, and so we worshiped in our home for 13 years as a family. So we probably have a greater appreciation for the ministry of the groups when we mm. are in this area because of the wonderful opportunities that there are in music and in testimonies and in preaching and, and just all of it. And, you know, we didn't even have the sacrament available to us or administration available to us for many years. And so we really, really appreciate those things uh, about where the Lord's planted us here in this part of the vineyard. I appreciate that perspective, especially with um, uh, people being so willing to leave and move based on, you know, spats or arguments with people in the church uh, nowadays. That's in. I, I can. So you were married in eighty seven. Correct. Okay. I graduated uh, high school eighty nine, and so I remember just as a <clears throat> reference point what the church was going through then. And so I, I as a young teenager, I was watching the church kind of fall apart. Or you know, most of our branch was relatives, and so I saw even my own family just split and leave, and I didn't understand why. But that was that was interesting. It was well, a really difficult time. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, but it was also a time of great soul searching uh, and and growth in, in my life because of what we were facing. How many children do you have? We have three: a son and two daughters. Okay, they uh, that must have meant a lot to them that you kept the worship going in the home. Maybe even you know seeing that it's not just something you go to, but it's a lifestyle that it's important enough to do in the home. You know, I think it's made a difference in their lives. It's probably one of those blessings that, that came uh, because of that, that we didn't probably recognize at the time that that was happening. But um, our children, of course, were young enough when that they never knew any different mm-hmm. for a number of years. And then when we came here, uh, they kind of had to be trained to the to the group, to the church <laughs> setting. I, I remember my son That's was funny. about eight and he saw something in the pew in front of him, I guess, that attracted his attention. He just bounded over the top of the pew. And so we realized we had a little uh, <laughs> a little bit of work to do in, in the group Not setting. Not in the living room anymore. That's I was right. Saying. So we have listeners across the country, and I just I heard from a sister not too long ago that said she really appreciates the testimonies because there are people that don't have other uh, groups to meet with, and so this is a form of uh, worship and upliftment to them. So, what would you say to them about the importance of you know keeping that church time and things in the home? 
especially if there's children involved. I think it's important for any of us, and, and a tremendous blessing has been in our life. But I think with the development of children, if there's children involved in the family, you can't really foresee the blessings that the Lord will plant in their lives uh, when you make that important. And when I say make it important, I think I think what I've noticed, and, and it's hard to to bear testimony of things sometimes without sounding like you're like you think you're special or, or mm-hmm. trying to, I'm trying not to sound puffed up about this, but, but there came a point in our lives when Glenda and I decided that this was going to be first. Um, there was many years in my life. I'm sad to say that it wasn't first. And when we came to the realization that that had to be the first thing and take first place in our life. I think the benefits of that in the lives of our children have been something we didn't recognize was going to happen at the time. But I think that it has borne fruit uh, in their lives that, and I think it, I, I would say to the, to the people in the outlying areas that maybe don't have ministry available, um, if there's ever a time when you feel like you don't have the tools to to either listen to testimonies, have a church service in the home, um, listen to a taped sermon, I there's a lot of people that would be more than willing to supply them with CDs, DVDs, you know, whatever uh, kind of tools that they're looking for to be able to have that church in their home even in spite of being separated from the group. And it's so important that we do that. Glenda, you have? I do. Yeah, I can tell you. <laughs> uh, the family that I grew up in set the example. We were in church every time the doors were open. So there was never a time in my life. I I did put myself through school. I worked at hy And so there was times I had to work on Sundays. But even in college, if I didn't work on a Sunday, I was at church. I mean, that was, I never thought of doing it any other way. We were there Wednesday nights. And the, probably the same, the question that you asked Clayton is when did he be, when was it, or he, did he realize that Jesus was, I don't know how you worded that question. But anyway, when I was in college, my friends, I transferred to Northwest Missouri State my um, sophomore year. But I still had contact with my friends at Graceland. And so that was the time the church was talking about 156, seven women in the priesthood. And and the little branch at Maryville uh, was very liberal. Mm-hmm. And so I began, and but my parents were very conservative. And they had, they'd already taken my dad's priesthood card or requested, and he didn't give it to them. But they had already started having church at home. And so I came to a realization that I needed to read the scriptures and I needed to know to have my own testimony. So I really read and I studied and I prayed about it. And I felt like women in the priesthood were not right, that the church was not going in the right direction. And then I had friends from Graceland accuse me that I was just I was just doing that because that's how my parents felt. And I said, no, I read, I studied, this is... This is, this, I know of a surety Mm -hmm. that this is not the right direction. And so it made me have a really super strong testimony 
because I had to search out for myself because I didn't want, I didn't want to say, well, I'm just, I just feel this way about church because of my parents. So then when we got married, even before we had kids and we decided not to go to Culbertson, we had church with his parents every Sunday and my parents sent us tapes and CDs and a few DVDs. And I uh, play the piano very poorly, <laughs> but I would pick out hymns on the uh, on the piano, and we'd sing. His mother loved to sing, and um, so we had church every Sunday, even when we didn't have a church family. And and I think if you if you can raise your kids knowing that you need to have church, and take that set that specific time apart, make it special that will become a part of their life that they don't even realize that it should be indifferent. Gotcha. So I hear from you that, uh, and there may be families that think, well, this, does this really matter? Is this really good? But, but you're saying, you know, seeds are being planted and, and later in life, uh, whether it be struggles or trials, those seeds will bear fruit. And yes, did, absolutely. did you find it hard to, was it hard to keep going when, when it's just you in the home? Were there opposition and did you slack off at times or was it, were you pretty diligent? I'd say we were fairly <clears throat> diligent. Um, certainly it's, it's a very, ours was a very, very informal setting because there were a number of years that we didn't ha- have anybody in the family that held priesthood. Uh, eventually my dad was ordained to the office of priest and then we were blessed with being able to have the sacrament. But, there were a number of years that we didn't have any, so it was very informal, but but we still uh, took that time and we made that time special. We actually had an interesting situation when we moved here because we knew many of the ministers by the sound of their voice, even though we'd never <laughs> met them or seen them because we listened to cassette tapes at that time of, of different ones. And so... You know, we knew Tommy Thomas's voice, and we knew Bill Davies' voice, and a lot of the of the ministers of that time. And so, and then it was interesting to have opportunity to meet them. Wow! Yeah, I can relate to that. That's that happened with me as well. That's interesting. Well, Clayton, um, so a number of years ago, you uh, you had an accident, uh, an injury. Uh, what year was that? 2014. Okay. Six years ago. Yeah. It seems like just yesterday, I remember the prayer chain message. Just, are you comfortable talking about that? Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, so you live on a farm, uh, a big farm, raised cattle, very, very active lifestyle, lots of manual labor and chores and things. What happened the day that you had your accident? Well, I actually, all the years that we were on the farm, I since my adulthood, I've also been active in a construction business. First, uh, I shared a business with my brother for many years in Montana. And then when we moved, I started my own business here. And then, um, well, I had a partner in business here, my, my neighbor, my next neighbor up the road, um, actually became business partners with me. And we worked together for many years until I was hurt. But it's, um, it's a change that I guess you never um, even consider that there might be a possibility that you'll have to change um, everything about your life. I was working on a pole barn that I was building for myself. Uh, the day that I got hurt, Glenda and the other and the kids had gone uh, 
to a wedding, and then they were going on from the wedding to a camp that we were cooking for a camp. Mm. So I was going to join them there after I worked in the morning on the pole barn and uh, was working up high on an extension ladder about 15 feet or so for off the ground and and was nailing some braces in and had a nail gun in one hand and was holding the brace with the other. And as I went to hit the post with the nail gun, I, I missed the post and my momentum uh, carried me off the ladder. So I was going backwards. <clears throat> in order to keep from landing on my head, I jumped away from the ladder. Uh, but the the distance was a little too much. I had a burst fracture on my lump, number one lumbar and uh, associated paralysis because of the pinching of the of the cord there. So uh, it's been a it's been a big change in my life. So when you fell there, um, were you conscious, laying on the ground, or I was. I knew exactly what had happened. I heard it and felt it, and felt the numbness in my legs. Uh, when I lost feeling, and so I, I knew that that I'd fractured my back. Um, the first testimony that happened, the the first huge blessing was, I was home by. Well, I wasn't quite by myself. My mother still lived here at the time in in the apartment on the end of our house, and the pole barn where I was working, we don't have good cell phone service here anyway, but out there it's really marginal. And then I was laying on the ground and I was under a steel roof. And so there's never any cell service back in that building. There was that day. Mm. I, if I took my little flip phone right by the very corner and I lifted it just as high in the air as I could get it towards the, opening I could get a bar of service and wow. so I I dialed the emergency number and I and I held it out and and was able to make contact with with the emergency people and they came and took me to St. Luke's. How long did it take them to get here? Quite a it while. Was, it was pretty fast. Um I think they were here in about twenty minutes. So it mm. was they were they were very quick. What was going through your mind uh laying there waiting for the emergency crew? Do you remember? Yeah, I I do remember some things about it. Um, I was calm. Um, I I realized what was going on, um, and I'm what the main thing that's going through my mind is I'm wondering if this is something that's going to be able to be fixed and right. and you know have that feeling and that mobility back because I realized at that moment that I was paralyzed and had lost the use of my lower body. And so kind of a, it's, it's something that kind of set in at that time. And, and of course I was sure that I was going to overcome that mm-hmm. um, because I've never been one to give up easily. I think my mother called it stubbornness, <laughs> but uh I was sure that that I would be able to work my way through this and and recover the use of my legs. And of course, I I have learned to do many things, but I've not um, I've not gotten the feeling back in my legs below the knee and you right. know limited use. Uh, yeah. So you yeah. So at the time, you don't know the extent of the injury if it's temporary or permanent. Um, 
Glenda, how did you find out that there'd been an accident? I was uh, driving to the campgrounds and um, the did, emergency people called me okay. and said, your husband's been in an accident. And I was just, I was just, I just immediately started praying and I kept saying, okay, God doesn't give me anything I can't handle. God doesn't give me uh, anything I can't handle. And I mean, I didn't know, the, they, she didn't say what the extent was. I was thinking, okay, he's got two broken legs and he's in a, he's going to be in a cast and we're supposed to be cooking for camp this week and n- right. never crossed my the mind. The concern was, yeah, you're never ready Never crossed my mind he'd be paralyzed. And so then, um, I don't know who called. We got another call when we got to the campgrounds and I found out more of the extent. I think he called me and he said, I'm okay, but I'm paralyzed. And I just, wow. I just started crying and Howard Parker was there and he hugged me and he said a prayer, just a really super heartfelt prayer, brought a lot of comfort the girls and I, Howard unpacked stuff for me. The girls and I immediately went to the St. Luke's. We actually got there before he did. Mm. And we waited in the waiting room and Todd Shoneman and Wes Ferriola, right, came. And Chuck Miller. And and they sat with us until I could go see him. And then he went to surgery and it was, uh, it it is a blur at that point. I mean, it was just overwhelming <laughs> so once uh so after the initial shock wears off and um you know you go to surgery and you begin to realize that this is going to be maybe a permanent thing a lifestyle change is that right yeah it is i i had an experience um shortly at well i'd actually had two surgeries i had the surgery to repair my back and then there was a do you call it a hematoma there was mm below the surface of the skin there that they needed to to remedy. So I'd had two surgeries and of course not having been used to any drugs or anesthetic or those things were, you know, kind of a shock to my body. And so when I was in recovery from the second surgery, as I got a few hours out, um, they were encouraging me to eat a little bit of something and um, I did, and and I was hungry. I've always been one that had a good appetite. <laughs> and so, and that didn't work out well. Uh, my stomach was not functioning yet, and uh, I got so sick. And so, in the middle of the night, um, my family was taking turns with somebody being there with me. Those were in the days before you had to be completely isolated and on your own. Yeah. And then that was a blessing. And, and I was laying there that night and I was feeling so sick. They'd had to do the tube down my nose and pump Mm -hmm. the stomach or whatever they do to get rid of that, you know, that food that's laying there. And, and I felt horrible and hurt and I was laying there praying and my daughter had put on a CD of, a good friend of mine, um, George Allen. And George was an old cowboy from Idaho that moved here and we got acquainted and just, we just loved George and Barb. They were just a huge influence in our lives. And, and before George passed away, he had recorded a couple of CDs of some of his songs. 
And if you know George, uh, the Lord just would give him songs. He didn't, I don't think George ever wrote or, mm-hmm. uh, or read music, but he could, he played the guitar and the Lord would give him the words. And so he recorded some of those songs and it's, it's still an experience that really moves me when I uh, try to describe what was going through my mind. But I was laying there realizing that this uh, might be a permanent situation with this loss of mobility. And, and I was praying and pouring my heart out to the Lord and, and asking him what now? And, uh, you know, I said, I've, I've lost my ability to do all the things I ever did to provide for my family. Um, I don't know what else to do except work with my hands and, and I really need these legs. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And at, right at that moment, George's song, Feed My Sheep, hmm. began to play on that CD. And I felt like the Lord had given me my answer of what he wanted me to do. And then, of course, I began to try to reason with him because I said, Lord, that's, that's not the part I'm good at. I'm, I'm good at wow. doing the physical things. Uh-huh. But, but that was my answer. That's, that's what he wanted me to do. And so I've tried to do that uh, to the best of my ability, which is, you know, I, I've never felt like that was my gift, the, the speaking, the leadership, those kinds of things. But uh, I felt like the Lord pointed me in that direction. And so that's, that's what I'm trying to do. When you said physical things, so like your wife and you, you were going to be cooking at a camp and active and kind of like the background a lot and doing the uh, things maybe that aren't uh, the glory work, but, but that, that need to be done, just serving the people. And now you felt like, well, that physical was maybe limited. And, and so now it's more of a real... Uh, speaking, uh, that kind of thing, counseling? Yes, I, that's exactly what I mean. I, I always felt like I functioned better behind the scenes, mm-hmm. the, the grunt work, so to speak, that's got to be done to make things go. And, and, uh, of course we've, that's a whole other testimony that maybe Glenda will share a little bit about if you want her to, but sure. it, um, since that time we've had opportunity to cook for a lot of camps and, and I've learned to do a lot of things uh, in my situation so that I can be of help, even though it bothers me not to be able to unload the food and those kinds of things that I used to do. But uh, but it's been a, a great blessing in our lives. Uh, do you want her to share? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. <clears throat> well, um, after when I was um, pregnant with my son, Andy, um after I had him, I had, I got pneumonia and I had pneumonia almost consistently, um, for the next five years. The only time I didn't seem to have it was when I was pregnant. Mm. And so I developed some breathing issues and I had adult onset asthma and over time it continued to get worse and worse. But after we were here, um, I had gotten an infection and I just couldn't get over it. And I ended up, um, in the hospital in ICU in 09 on our anniversary. <laughs> and um, I was in I- ICU for 11 days and on a respirator for nine. Oh, wow. And um, 
my prognosis, according to the doctor, wasn't very good. He told me I had two choices. I could get a heart and lung transplant or do experimental chemo drugs. And um, I really felt like when I came, when I was aware and they had pulled the rest, the ventilator out, that God had given me a second chance. And so um, I came home and I was doing some physical therapy and and uh, trying to get things back, and we had we had prayed about um, what we should do. And at the time, I was um, getting I had gone over to a nurse practitioner in Overland Park to do some alternative treatments, and he did intravenous vitamin C, and he is not a believer. I mean, but he, we had become close. Mm-hmm. And so it bothered him all night long after he saw my paperwork and everything that I went through. So he contacted a doctor that he knew that worked at a clinic in Wichita. And I was going to go there and see him because I just, I didn't, I knew a heart and lung transplant wasn't a very good life expectancy. I didn't want to do experimental chemo drugs. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, that's a rotten choice. <laughs> it is a rotten choice. Yeah. And so um, the the guy from Wichita, the doctor from Wichita called and he said, I can save you $5,000 in a trip. Here's what you should do. And he told me to do fruit anthocyanins, which is a um, very good... Um, Antioxidant. Antioxidant. He told me to nebulize with glutathione, to do intravenous vitamin C, and there was something else, but I can't remember. Anyway, mm-hmm. I he was trying to boost my immune system. He was trying to do things that would help my immune system. And so I did that, and I got, um, I got pneumonia one more time. A month after I'd been out of the hospital, I went and had antibiotics, IV antibiotics. I got over it. We were praying because we knew that I couldn't just keep that up. It's hard on the body. And he read about a product called Respiratory Relief that you put in your nebulizer. It's um, colloidal silver with um, essential oils. And I started doing that and with all the other things. And I was going for vitamin C every week. (laughs) I mean, just really worked on boosting my immune system. I had two asthma attacks. After I got out of the out of the hospital, I have not had a true asthma attack since. Um, I still have damage in my lungs, but I was on oxygen all the time, and so uh, to cut to the chase here, we were asked to cook in 2010. Well, we were asked to direct a, a retreat in 2010. And we directed, he, he, he directed, I cooked. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I looked at him when it was over. I said, I don't mind cooking, but I don't think directing is our thing. (laughs) So after that, we just stuck with the cooking and we were asked to do a camp that fall or that summer. And we cooked for a camp and I had an oxygen concentrator with a 50 foot cord and it kept getting stuck on those mats in the kitchen and the kids would step on it, (laughs) jerk my ears. And and it was just really irritating. And we were asked to cook for two camps in 2011. So in January of 2011, I was getting ready for some company and my 
cord was getting caught in the vacuum cleaner cord. And I just got disgusted and I threw it off. I finished vacuuming. I checked my oxygen. It was pretty good. So I weaned myself off that oxygen over the next week. And um, I was able to cook for those camps without oxygen. Um, And gradually I gained strength because before when we cooked and when we did things, he lifted all the pots for me. He did a bunch of the walking. I mean, it just, I was weak. I was Mm -hmm. skinny, skinny, and, and I just couldn't do much. And, and I felt like God told me if we stepped out in faith to cook, he would bless me. And so we did. And then this accident happened. And had it happened when I was struggling, there's no way. Mm-hmm. But God knew what was coming. He knew I needed the blessing of, you know, physical strength right. and health so that I could help him in his time of need because he'd been helping me for 20 plus years because this started young. I mean, you know, when right. I first had Andy in 1991. So it, it just all. It's a good thing I didn't know what was coming. <laughs> I guess I'll That's, put it that uh, way. <laughs> I never, I never knew that 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 you were that you'd gone through all of that. Clayton, was that hard watching your bride suffer th- through? I, I, I would not. That's my my kryptonite. If something happens to my wife, I just I, I think I'd come unbuckled. How, how did you deal with that? It's much worse than going through it yourself mm. to to watch the one that you love go through it. Oh, and uh, your wife's pointing. She says, "Me, yes, she agrees." <laughs> yeah, it's. I think, you know, for most of us, we, we struggle with that watching somebody suffer and, you know, to, to really realize the magnitude of the blessing that Glenda received and where she is today compared to then there were, you know, it's probably about 15 or 20 steps from our bed to the bathroom. And there were times when I'd have to help her to the bathroom and she'd have to rest once or twice Mm. in the middle. So, you know, I think that, might help to realize what a blessing the Lord's provided for us and and from her to be able to go from that point to where she is today when she can load my wheelchair and in the car when we go somewhere. Uh, granted, she takes a few of the pieces off, uh, but still, you know, that's a pretty big change. And so we don't, um, we don't take that for granted. Uh, we know that the Lord has provided that blessing for us. And it seems like in her time of need, I was plenty strong physically to do what needed done and to carry the family. And, and in my time of need, the Lord's provided that strength for her. So it's been a huge blessing in our life. Glenda, I wanted to ask you, so I asked Clayton as he was, uh, as it was becoming more uh, permanent and he was realizing that this was going to be a change, you know, and he he said he heard that song by George uh, Allen that kind of gave him direction. What was your, what was the process like for you as you're realizing um, this is going to be a new way of life, a permanent change? Did, um, did you have any thoughts or experience in that? Well, for probably the first two years, I felt like I was in survival mode. Mm. It was just, it was just do what you got to do. Um, the one thing he didn't mention that he should have an- mentioned was when he very first, ha- when it very first happened before the experience with George's song, he realized that the only thing he controlled was his attitude and he was going to have a good attitude. Wow. And I think he and we as a couple were able to 
witness to everyone we came in contact with in the hospital, in the rehab. We were in rehab. He was in rehab for six weeks. And, and even since then, in the physical therapy, everything he's done, because he never got angry, he never got depressed, he gets frustrated when he can't do something sometimes. Sure. But um, it, it was such a complete lifestyle change for us that I really had a hard time. I had a hard time praying. I had a hard time reading scriptures. I just was in survival mode. I was just like, okay, we got to do this and, and we can't do anything extra. I mean, we just, this is all we can handle. I can't handle anymore. But the thing that kept running through my mind is God doesn't give us anything we can't handle. He doesn't, he, he tells us he will help us with our burdens and gradually it became, okay, this is okay. We can do this. Uh, I can do this. And the hardest thing is watching him have pain. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I still cry <laughs> um, because it's hard to see your loved one suffer and, and it's just not an easy, but it has strengthened our marriage. It's strengthened our communication with each other. We've spent more time together <laughs> the last six years than we spent for the whole yeah. 25 before that or whatever it was. I mean, and it really has brought us closer. We, talk about scriptures that we read the sermons i mean every anything and everything you know it's just it has it's definitely different it's not easy um but it's it's also strengthened us too and our hope is that we can we can be a good witness that people can look at us and go wow look at all the trials they've gone through and they're still joyful mm-hmm uh, I'm going to, I'll ask you a question and then I'll have Clayton respond to the same thing. A lot of people have a trial or, or a negative, uh, event in their life and they blame God or turn their back on God. Um, did you ever have those thoughts of why me or, and if not, um, why do you think that is? I can honestly say that I never had that thought. I never had that thought about my struggles or his because I know that everything that happens is for a purpose, that God will use it for his good, and that it, like Clayton, I never thought about the attitude thing, but, you know, we are, people see what we do, they see our actions, and so we, it's our job to endure and to to find joy and be joyful in our trials. I certainly would have never asked for them, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I just... I just never, I never thought, oh God, why did you do this to me? Or you're such a horrible, you know, I've had friends who said, if there's a God, bad things wouldn't happen. Right. But that's, I mean, I've just always known that wasn't true, that he does love us and he allows these things so that we grow because I grew more spiritually through my trials. My prayer life was big. When I mean, when I was struggling to breathe, all I could do was pray. Mm. And I could see how my, my kids are more responsible. They have more compassion towards people that struggle because they saw me. I homeschooled my kids, and they saw me struggle all their lives until, you know, recent, until the last, well, since 2011, basically. And so it, I could look back and see the blessings 
that my family got out of my weakness and problems. And I just figure that God knows what he's doing and he's, he's in control. Perspective. Yeah. I like you said, people see how you handle it and that that's the best testimony. That's the best testimony to see you give glory to God and maintain that relationship through that. That's what strengthens me and others, I think in a great way. Yeah. Clayton, what about you? Did you ever get angry? Where'd you get that idea about attitude is what you can control? Well, as I know, I can honestly say that I never uh, got angry. My biggest concern, of course, was for my family and and uh, doing those things that would uh, provide for them. Um, one of the probably the hugest blessing that happened before my injury was that the Lord had provided the means whereby our farm was paid for. Had that not been the case, I guess we probably would have had to sell the farm, uh, you know, to be able to continue to live. But no, I I never was angry with the Lord. I I believe that the Lord does everything in our life for a purpose and and loves us enough that ultimately He wants it to turn to our good and to our blessing. So I really can. I can't ever remember a time when I was angry, um, frustrated, uh, frustrated with my inability to do things and my inability to, uh, to understand where to go next. But, uh, no, I, I felt the Lord's hand all the way through this, this journey. I looked around in, especially in therapy, uh, there's a lot of people that are bitter from whatever their experience has been and I knew that the Lord was providing me an opportunity. I thought at one point that maybe that opportunity was going to expand. My therapist that I uh, worked with wanted to get permission from her superiors to allow me to go in and share with some of the other um, people that were in rehab. Uh, that didn't happen for various reasons, you know, privacy concerns and things, but, but, it still provided me an opportunity to be joyful in the situation that we were in. And, and, and it was, I I have learned that my joy doesn't come in physical things. Like I uh, always felt like I received joy from the things that I could build, the work that I could do with my hands. Uh, But I found that the true joy really comes through the spirits moving and the spirits influence in our lives. And, and so I've learned a little bit about the scripture that says, count it all joy when you fall into many afflictions. I always read that scripture before I was injured and I thought, I can't do that. There's no way. How could you count it all joy when you're in the midst of tribulation? But, but because of the Lord's blessing, I've been able many times to do that. I can't say that I'm a perfect example all the time. Obviously, I have my moments, but... The Lord has really blessed me tremendously with with understanding that even though I don't have control over the physical parts of my body in some in some cases that I still do control how I'm going to react to it mm. and what my attitude's going to be. That's great advice. You said you you used to get joy out of working with your hands and probably fulfillment and and that you've learned that that comes by 
the spirit moving and, and probably looking back, seeing I, I do. I can't believe that you, you you're on oxygen and you're still willing to cook, Glenda, at the camp, and you're moving around with this oxygen fifty foot core. I know what that's like because I have people in homes that, that it does get hard to, and yet here you are still trying to serve. And golly, the Lord has blessed you to see you here and know that that's where you were at, and now to see that you have strength to load His wheelchair. Uh, that's a faithful God. I hope that our listeners are, they see, they will hear that that is a faithful God giving you what you need. Boy, I didn't know that, that, uh, Clayton was watching you suffer all of those years. Um, that, that had to be hard to you. Wow. Yeah. Well, so Clayton, now you are, the Lord said, feed my sheep. He told you that you heard that song. You are a pastor of the Chihuahua branch. Yes, I have been pastor there for a number of years now. It's a small branch, and you know, you just you just do what you're asked to do. You try to fill that that need, and and it's and it's been a blessing. Um, Was that I, something new to you? Had you have you been pastor before? Is this a recent thing? <laughs> Well, it's it's been quite a few years now, but no, it was brand new to me. Um, I was ordained as a priest in 99. So, you know, I was uh, 40 years old, 41, I guess. So I didn't come to the ministry early in my life. So I had to to try to catch up and learn the things that, that I needed to know. And, um, you know, I don't know if any of us ever feel like we know all that that's that makes us adequate to serve in the ministry it's it's only through the influence of his spirit but but the the pastorship has been has been a real blessing in our lives and and we have a a really close little group of people that really love each other and and it's uh and it's just been a tremendous blessing to be involved with them what about you as a pastor's wife? That has it been uh, difficult? I, I imagine there's some burdens and things that you know about, but how's it been for you? Well, one of the things that I was, he was pastor before he was hurt, but one of the things I remember thinking at the time was I didn't know that I would be, I mean, we've always had a large prayer list and we've always been concerned about each other, but I didn't realize that the the burdens that he the things, I don't know how to express it. I became even more aware of the struggles and the burdens that people had. And I felt a greater burden to pray for them and to, I just felt more of a burden than I was expecting. I mean, I was expecting to help him, I mean, to be supportive of his time if he needed to go out and do things or, you know, take time for meetings. I mean, that wasn't unexpected for me, but I didn't realize that I would feel such a burden for the people's struggles. Because when you're pastor, you hear more of the personal struggles, and then he would share some of them, not all of them, because some are just not his to share. And so then I felt the burden to pray more for him and, and, because re- there's things I didn't realize that people were going through mm. until he became pastor. Mm. Do you either, uh, Clayton, what's it like on the ranch now uh, since your accident? Are you or the farm? Do you uh, 
you still able to do some physical labor or how's that work? Yeah, I can, I've learned to do a lot of things. I, I jokingly tell people that, that Sarah does all the work and I just look for mistakes <laughs> and, and I hope she doesn't really feel that way. That's your daughter. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's our daughter. But yeah, I've, I've learned to, to be able to do quite a few things uh, through the blessing of the help of some of the saints and, and a big, um, a big portion of that help was from my brother and his family. Um, we were able to purchase a track chair, a, a wheelchair on tracks, and it also has a stand-up feature that oh, wow. uh, locks my knees in and it actually can stand me up. So because of that blessing, I've been able to learn to do a lot of things. Um, you know, I can run the the head gate on the chute when we're working cattle through and and things like that and be of some help to to Sarah when she's working on things and and my neighbor Chris that that I was partners in business with in the construction is also a huge help we run we pasture our cattle together and so we can share the work and so he and Sarah do a lot together and and he's a huge blessing for us he and his family but we've we've learned to deal with a lot of things um I, I'm still frustrated by the things that I can't do sometimes, but I try to concentrate on that it's a blessing that I have been able to regain the ability to do some of them rather than focusing on the ones that I mm. can no longer do. I, I want to give both of you a chance just to, in closing, is there any message? I'll let Clayton go first and Glenda can think on his. What message would you give to the saints today uh, coming through the last couple of years we have in this country and where we're headed? I think every testimony of Jesus and those that love him become more and more precious to me anyway. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts or anything you want to share uh, for those listening? I guess I'd say um, be very very prayerful as we enter into these troubled times. Uh, I think we need to be very diligent in keeping our repentance fresh and coming before our Heavenly Father to really ask Him uh, what He wants us to do. I'd like to, I'll try to quickly share this, but there's a testimony that happened in our lives shortly after we moved here. And it's been a very solidifying experience in my life. And and I'd like to encourage uh, people as they approach their Heavenly Father to be open to go in a different direction if that's what he wants them to do. Um, you know, we had to, to make that. I felt like the Lord told me that I was supposed to gather to this land and to bring my family here and that there would be tremendous blessings that would come and of course, as you look at the last few years of our lives, it, in some circumstances, it doesn't appear to be a blessing, but uh, there have been many blessings along the way. And the one I'd like to share is shortly after we uh, began to build here, we were pouring the concrete and I had a crew of guys hired to pour it. And the day that we were gonna pour, it looked like rain and they decided to go ahead anyway and we had, I think there was going to be seven trucks total. And on the third truck, the clouds began to build and to gather and you could see the storm coming. And uh, by the time the fourth truck came, the the rain clouds were just right 
on County Line Road, which is a quarter mile west of our house. And the driver said, uh, you guys are going to get wet. He said, you better try to get this thing covered up. And I looked around and I was busy getting plastic ready and trying to um, get things ready. And of course, Glenda had been around the construction because of my work for a long time. And she knew what a mess this was going to be if we had to try to cover it. And I looked around and suddenly I realized that she and the kids were gone because they'd gone to the camper to pray. Mm. And of course, me and my busyness, I don't know that I'd remembered to stop and pray, but but she and the children were on their knees in the camper petitioning our Heavenly Father that that storm would, would not ruin our concrete on our house. And uh, the guys that were working and myself all watched that storm come and it came to the point where we had raindrops right at the edge of the slab and that storm broke and half of it went around us on each side and we could we could see the the water just coming down in sheets and the concrete got a few drops on it just to remind us uh, of the Lord's blessing, I think. And we watched that storm go around and, and we felt like that was a huge testimony that that we had gone in the direction that the Lord wanted us to. And so I think we really we really need to look and to listen for the Lord's guidance and then he will send those testimonies to solidify us in that direction that he wants us to go and sustain us in these times. Wow. Glenda, you have anything you'd like to share? I don't know if I have much to add to that. I would just say um, truly look for the joy and the beauty and the blessings that God gives you and endure because Whatever you endure now here on this earth will be so minuscule to the blessings and um, in the life after. And, and we have so many promises of what to come, even though I'm very disappointed about what's been going on in our country and that evil has been allowed to prosper. But if we endure and we hold fast to our testimony and our beliefs, we will be blessed in the end. Mm. Thank you both for for sharing and opening up today. On the way here, I I went back to an older podcast with Louise Gregson, uh, mostly because I wanted to hear the audio because that was the last time I'd brought the equipment out of the studio. And I got to the point where she said Israel uh, Smith had come to the islands and asked, and he said, do you know why the, the Japanese didn't completely destroy the island? He said, because there was a handful of righteous saints here. And... Um, and then I thought about coming out and talking to you guys today. And, and though our numbers are small, I, especially those I think that really love Jesus and live live the gospel and not just talk about it, I hope there's a handful of righteous saints. And I'm encouraged every time I hear testimonies that maybe the Lord will uh, at least spare us and uh, that will, when I say spare, I don't even mean my life, but that he'll spare my heart from becoming dark and evil, that I can continue to to increase in love for others. So, you know, he tells us if we treasure up his word, we shall not be deceived. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that I hang on to a lot. And I'm trying to learn what it means to truly treasure up his word. And I think that promise of not being deceived as we look at the deception that swirls around us in this world is a tremendous promise. And, and I want to, 
be able to avail myself of that yeah. promise. That's that's important. That's I think I was thinking um, the biggest problem in our country is that we take truth or news, whatever, as lazy as we can get it, and whatever's put in front of our face is what becomes truth. And so to treasure up the word, his the Lord's voice is so small and so it's so powerful, but it doesn't it doesn't come lazily. You have to really treasure and make uh, uh, purposeful time. Purposeful time, yes. Thank you. It won't for happen by accident. It won't happen by accident. Not like you get your news. That happens by accident. I don't want to see that. And there it is. Yeah. Thank you both for for sharing and for your diligence. If anybody had excuses not to to work uh, and and do what you've taken on, I, I would think you would both have a legitimate reason. But uh, to be cooking while you're on oxygen and continuing to pastor in a, in a wheelchair and um, with everything that's happened. Uh, I'm just, I'm not puffing you up, but I see it's because of your love for God. So thank you for sharing. We appreciate the opportunity.